Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Karen Orr, Research Fellow at the Centre for Research and Educational Underachievement, also known as CREE, based here in Stranmillis University College, Belfast. I'd like to welcome you to the CREE podcast, a space to unpack the complex issues in research related to educational underachievement. Located in a working class area of inner city Belfast, known locally as the village, Fane Street Primary School is considered unique in Northern Ireland. The school is notable for rising to the twin challenges of being part of a local community emerging from conflict and for welcoming newcomer children and families from an extraordinary number of different linguistic and cultural backgrounds. In this episode, we explore the challenges of addressing underachievement in this multicultural inner city primary school in Belfast. Dr. Sharon Jones sat down with Fane Street Principal Hilary Cunningham, Vice Principal Gordon Nicholl, and Newcomer Coordinator Sam Howarth to find out more about the history and development of the school and how they work in partnership with pupils, their families, and the local community to support learning and wellbeing. Hello everyone, welcome to this crew podcast. Today I'm delighted to be talking with three colleagues that I've enjoyed working with uh, in partnership for quite a few years now. From Fane Street Primary School, one of Northern Ireland's most multilingual and multicultural schools. Hilary Cunningham, who is a graduate of Stranmillis University College and principal of Fane Street Primary School. Gordon Nicholl, vice principal and Sam Howarth, newcomer coordinator. Well, thanks for being with us uh, here today and thanks for joining us. Listeners, great um, to be here. Uh, You're very welcome to Stramilis and to Crew. I think we'll maybe begin by introducing ourselves. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background and your role in the school. Hilary. Um, Well, I am uh, quite an experienced educationalist, shall we say, Um, put that nicely. Um, I've been principal since 2014. I previously taught in North Belfast for 13 years. Um, and my claim to fame is that I taught Carl Frampton and I tell everybody that. So that's my my uh, dinner party story. Um, so I, I really enjoy working in Belfast and working with the children that, that we work with. We find there's a lot of special needs and a lot of extra needs, but that's what we really enjoy working with and enjoy doing. OK, thanks, Hilary. And we'll move to Gordon now. Hi, yeah, I'm Gordon Nicholl. I'm the vice principal at Fane Street. I have been there. This is my 15th year at the school. Uh, prior to that, I did my teacher training in Glasgow, was a postgrad at, at uh, Strathclyde University at Jordan Hill. Um, I think that was a great grounding for me in terms of spending a year working in Clyde Bank in my probation year, as it's called in Scotland, was a... Uh, just a wee window into how life has ended up for me, if you like, and working and really enjoying my work at Fane Street, where, as Hilary's already said, we've lots of challenges, but we enjoy working together to overcome those. Thanks, Gordon. Great to have you with us. And last but not least, Sam. Hi, uh, I'm Sam Howarth. I'm the newcomer coordinator at Fane Street, where I've been for about four years now. Um, prior to that, I trained to teach also at Glas- in Glasgow at Strathclyde University, um, and I taught in a primary school in Glasgow for four years before I came here. Um, Similar school, very multilingual, lots of um, different challenges going on in that area as well. Uh, Before that, I worked in lottery funding for about seven or eight years and in the voluntary sector as well before I became a teacher. 
Thanks, Sam. Um, so Fane Street is quite unique in terms of its history, its location right in the heart of Belfast. And of course, it's very diverse. Hilary, would you like to tell us a wee bit more about what exactly makes it unique? Um, well, Fane Street Primary School has uh, been there for over 90 years. It was opened in April 1929 um, and it was very much a school for the local children at that time. In fact, our chair of governors attended the school back in the 40s. Hmm. Um, traditionally, the catchment would have been the Lisburn Road, but over the years, it became more of the village area. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the village is off the Donegal Road, roughly from Shaftesbury Square to Glenmacken Street near the West Link. Um, and rumour has it that the name The Village was coined by American GIs. So we're, we don't know if that's true or not, but that's the rumour. So as the local community has changed again over the last 13 to 15 years, our intake includes more children from the Lisburn Road again. Um, and we even have a child who travels in from Carrickfergus every day. Um, when I came to Fane Street as vice principal in 2004, our population was mainly white working class Protestant um, with a small minority of Chinese children. Um, over the years, then, the transition started for us about 2008, uh, when the first Polish families arrived with us. Um, and we managed the classes really well. They were very ambitious children, and they learned very quickly and slotted in very quickly. Um, we had a few withdrawal groups, but everything worked really well at the time. Teaching was changing for us, but we were managing um, we did face some hardships when the Chinese families were intimidated out of the area in 2004. And again in 2009, after the Northern Ireland football match against Poland, um, when a clash between fans resulted in a mass exodus of the Polish families. However, over the last number of years, we have gone from having 145 pupils in September 2008 to 280 pupils as of the, today. Uh, however, that could be different tomorrow because we have a large number of children leaving and coming in about 50% turnover in year, not counting transfer and open enrolment. Um, we had six languages in 2008 and we now have 43. So wow. quite, quite an increase. Um, we have 20% uh, refugees and asylum seekers, which was unheard of in 2008. So we have, have quite a, a, a number of challenges. But as I said before, we absolutely love working with these families and we want to do our best for them. Excellent. So um, you've mentioned um, really pleasing developments like the mm -hmm. growth in numbers, um, mm -hmm. really um, fascinating developments like the, the diversity of languages and also some challenges such as racism. I'd like to bring uh, Gordon in at that point and, and ask, how has the school adapted to this kind of change? I guess that, um, you know, at the beginning, it was a real challenge to, to get our heads round, round it that so many children were joining us, all coming from different countries, all with different experiences. Um, and this is well before words like trauma and so on was in vogue. Yeah. Um, so we were really having to learn about this ourselves and realise that these children have already been through so much before they have reached us it's not like as Hilary has said it's not just like you know somebody turning up on the 1st of September um, polished ready to go ready to learn these children arrive with us um, could be a P3 could be a P5 um, could be joining us in October could be joining mm. us in May um, it's like a revolving door it really is um, 
and again each of these children is coming with different prior experience some with um reasonable um educational experience in their own language in their countries and that's sh- that shouldn't be forgotten but also lots of children arriving having had no experience at all of education um coming from different camps and so on that everybody will have seen or heard about and yeah so you know with that they're they're coming with with very little in their in their pocket if you like they're coming if they're lucky coming with with the family around them and um, not always um they're coming with all sorts in the background in terms of um bereavement in terms of health issues and you know these are these are issues then that that manifest in the classroom um and it takes our teachers really to to get to know these children and they really have to want to get to know them to form these relationships to make the children feel loved supported um and now really our approach is very much to support the whole family not just the child we are firm believers in that um because there's no point trying to teach the child about numeracy or literacy if they haven't had breakfast that morning. Yeah. Um, if indeed the language being used is far too complex for them. It's really about meeting each child individually where they're at. Um, very much, as we would say, about stage, not age. And yeah, they, they do. They, you know, In terms of how we have managed the challenges, it has been trial and error. Um, we have set up different withdrawal groups. We have worked closely with um, Education Authority, working closely with Inclusion and Diversity Service. Um, but, you know, we, we actually found at that stage that that when we were working closely with them, we felt almost when they came out to work with us that we were actually helping them develop um, yeah. the practice <clears throat> was actually being effective on the ground. It's very much partnerships. Um, inter- very, much, yeah. very much a partnership. And again, um, definitely not claiming to have all the answers then or indeed now but i think as time has gone on our confidence is high that you know if we do have to rip it up and start again then that's what we do um the child is kept at the center of that and as i say we try and support the family around that thanks very much um working i mean i've been in your classroom i've been in sam's classroom as well um a number of times and i've been absolutely fascinated by the diversity of of pupils um multiculturally culturally and linguistically um and that brings challenges but it brings amazing opportunities um sam could you tell us a bit more about the opportunities of working with such a diverse range of children yeah it's a very wonderful thing we're very privileged and lucky to be able to do it um that there are so many things that come out of it you know you, you as an individual learn so much about other people's cultures and backgrounds you know their festivals their celebrations the clothes the lovely food that they Sometimes parents kindly send in for me, which I really appreciate around celebration times. Um, the children will teach each other greetings and things like that in their first languages. So we can all share, you know, that that linguistic diversity together and celebrate that. Um, and I think it's a great thing to see everybody feeling included and everybody feeling equal and like they've got, you know, an, an, an equal shot in this place of getting a good education and a good outcome from being there. And I think the kids are all really settled, really, really happy, you know, once they've been with us for a, for a certain amount of time. Um, and they, they love the school, I think, and they get a lot out of being there. That's um, fascinating. Um, I'd just like to ask a, a quick question about curriculum. Um, the Northern Ireland curriculum was um, ruled out in 2007, about if my numeracy is on target, it's about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we're the only region of the UK with no statutory requirement for language learning. In fact, we're very much an outlier, an outlier in that respect. Um, our research, our multilingual minds study, um, asked children about the curriculum and about school. And they, they, they love school, actually. Um, but they love creative areas of the curriculum and they love language, you know, being able to share their language. Have you any thoughts about... Um, updating the curriculum in Northern Ireland? I, I would love to see more language teaching um, the, in, a, in a formal way. Yeah, the, the children are, are very good at it. They're, they're naturals, really. Are they like. confident in um, terms of sharing their language? I feel they are quite confident, yeah. Maybe not every single child, you know, down mm -hmm. to the individual, but as a whole, I would say most of the children are quite comfortable and quite confident to share their home language with us. Um, it gives them a lot of confidence as well. You know, it's a great way for them to, mm. to show what they know and to show who they are and where they've come from. Does it help their self-esteem, do you think? Yeah. Um, particular example, a girl came from Afghanistan quite recently um, and she was extremely quiet when she came. You know, she she wouldn't say boo to a goose, really. She was that mm. kind of child. Mm. But but gradually I got to know her and I said, you know, come on, you tell me how to say good morning. You tell me how to say how are you doing and what what do I say back to you? And before you knew it, in a couple of weeks, you know, she 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 was writing it all down for me. You know, she had me saying it in the morning and, and her saying it back to me. And I feel that had a big, big influence on her really settling into the class. And now she's so confident, loads of friends, you know, can't stop her from talking now. <laughs> you know, Brilliant. and, and yeah. that I feel played a massive part in that, you know, her sharing her home language with me, me being interested in that and yeah. saying, no, go on, you show me how to write that down. I want to know. Yeah. You know, it means a lot to them. And I think, Sam, if, if it's the girl that I think you're referring to, her sister is, yes. in, my, is in my class. Yeah. And, you know, to watch that family, and I do mean family, you know, making progress together has been unbelievable. Um, we have um, a really successful English class for parents on a Tuesday afternoon. And that class really it gives, it gives the, the mums, um, this one particularly at the minute is aimed at the mums, but... You know, at least one of the daughters was attending that alongside mum, and that, you know, and, we, and again, we're not precious about things like that. If the child wants to attend, you know, we realise there's a benefit in that as well. They're learning together; they'll be practicing their English together at home. And you know, again, another successful partnership. And you know, we're not afraid to you know have a go at that. This is you know, yes, it's advertised for parents, but do you know what? If a child's turned up and they want to learn English as well, why not? Hmm. But also in terms of assessment, we find that the the levels of progression are of limited use to us. Um, so we're always challenging ourselves to find different ways to assess mm -hmm. the children because with, with our children, you might find that it's something that like being able to look you in the eye or something very, very simple that they have learned to do. And it's a huge stride for them. Yeah. But how do you assess that? How do you note that? So that's something that we're always challenging ourselves and always looking to say, is there something else that we can be doing to assess the progress? Because the children are making progress. Mm -hmm. Yes. We just want to be able to note that. Yeah, and the, the system has to be able to take account of the fact that you've got children who are coming throughout the year at different stages with different levels of English acquisition and different mm -hmm. prior learning in their own countries. So you have to have a system that kind of takes each child as an individual. There's no point having a set of benchmarks that each child should have to reach by a certain age because the reality is that a lot of our children aren't going to hit those benchmarks. But that doesn't mean that they're not making progress. Yes. You need to look at what their starting point was, how long they've been in formal education and what distance they've traveled since then. Yes. So this... I think it's, it's interesting for you to share a couple of stats on that. Sorry, I'm talking over you there. No. Um, interesting, Sam, I think... Um, you had to work out recently the, the percentage of children in our school 
um, yep. that have been there for less than two years. Yep. So if you if you take take the P ones out because obviously they will have been they've only just started, but if you take them out of, of the the picture, I said something like uh, around thirty percent of our school have been with us for less than two years. Mm-hmm. So you know, looking at nearly a third of the school have, have they had around eighteen months sort of school experience with us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you take all the school holidays and things like that out of it as well, and all the closure time with COVID, you know, you, you're looking at a matter of few months really there for some of the children. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 really about what what progress can we realistically expect them to make within that time? Yeah. So this brings us to the heart of our focus. I mean, this is the Centre for Research and Educational Underachievement, and the definition of achievement. I think Hillary, you were really encouraging us towards this you know it might be an achievement for a child to look you in the eye Um, but in terms of achievement in terms of the Northern Ireland curriculum um, what are the main barriers I mean language is obviously one key issue it's an opportunity in itself but it's also a challenge I guess other issues well for us because the children are coming in um, and maybe only being with us for six weeks or six months Mm There's only so much we can do. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't put the effort in. We absolutely do. And we, we make sure that we give them as much as we possibly can in the time that they've been there. Um, a lot of the children, because they've been moved, they've moved countries for whatever reason, they are set back already. And then we also have quite a number of children who've never been in school before. Uh, Sam has one in his class at the moment who was never in school before. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it is challenging to give that child as good an education as we can but we just work as hard as we can to make sure that there are improvements and as I say the levels of progression don't really mean very much to those children. Yeah I mean um, Gordon has already mentioned the importance of the family so Hilary could you maybe tell us a little bit more about what you're doing currently to support children and their families? Well this is really Sam's thing Um, he's our family support officer um, but I am always advocating Maslow's hierarchy of needs and I know that's one of the first things you learn when you come in here into Stramillis but that really I, I really do firmly believe that that is the way that we need to go we have families who are refugees who are getting mm-hmm. five pounds each a week to live on which mm-hmm. is nearly impossible so we're trying to provide food we're trying to provide heating we're trying to do everything that we can to support these people a lot of them have fallen through the net because they're refugees because there's no supports out there they don't have the language to get the supports mm-hmm. they don't know where to approach they don't know who to come to and we're very very keen to support them in that way so we have a drop-in service um, we have Bernardo's in one day a week at the mm-hmm. moment which is funded by IES until the end of March mm-hmm. um, Sam is also out as part of the Roma re-engagement funding and we also are very very lucky to have a lady from IES who comes out to support the Roma children so they are flat out every Tuesday helping the families with their problems and their issues Um, in the long term I am very very keen to make a link with health as well Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of families who can't afford to go to the hospital to hospital appointments to outpatients and we have a lot of families who don't know where they're going who are frightened to go they don't know what to expect Mm -hmm. So I would very much like to host those clinics within the school where we are trusted and where the families feel that they come in and if there's an issue, they can come and speak to us. So we are hoping to extend as far as we can into some sort of family help. Yeah, that's fascinating because in our Multilingual Mind study, um, which was published in 2018 and funded by the Intercultural Education Service, um, we find that... Uh, or one of the things that we recommended was that the school become a hub um, because it it definitely emerged as a trusted 
locus for families um, in diverse. This um, is it. This is it. And people often describe people as hard to reach, which I don't think is a great term, really, because they're mm -hmm. not hard to reach. They're, they're there. They're here every day. We see them mm -hmm. every single day and mm -hmm. we see what their issues are. And, and I would try and help them with their issues as much as possible. So I feel things like saying people are hard to reach is a bit of a cop out, really. What, what the statutory services need to do is, is change the mindset and think a little bit differently. I think, where do these people go every day? Let, let's go there and let's help them where they are. Which is the school, really. Yes. I mean, uh -huh. um, I know I've been at Fane Street during the week before the pandemic. Um, I was there on, uh, I think it was a coffee morning in the library all around reading and a very diverse group of parents there. And um, that that was great to see. But I know, Sam, that during the pandemic as well, you, that your school was really active. Could you share with us some positive impacts that family support is having on learning and well-being for the children yeah um so it's really thinking about i'll try and think about individual families that, that, we, that we've helped uh without revealing too much about them mm. really um but that it's advocacy really that that is what i'm doing for them yeah. i'm speaking on their behalf i'm phoning up places that that they either don't have the confidence or the language skills to to phone up for themselves um, but, but you can see the impact. You can see the impacts um, in, the, in the way the children present, in their attendance, in their punctuality, mm. um, in just the general well-being and happiness at school. Um, we, had, we had a family who were moved into a house that had nothing in it, quite literally nothing in it. Mm. Uh, no carpets, no white goods, no beds, no furniture. You know, it was an empty house. Um, and we, we helped them get that furnished. And they're fair enough, the... the Housing Executive did provide them with, with a grant, mm. but you're, you're, you're waiting for that grant to come through. It's not enough to fill a house. You know, it's mm. nowhere near enough. Um, so we, we help them apply to different funds and things like that to get them white goods and to get them tables and chairs mm. and furniture and things. So it's kind of connecting those dots, yeah. the different departments It's a bit of, of signposting, really, but it's it? also advocacy. I think that's the right word for it, really. It's making sure that they get treated fairly. It is, and I think it's it's the advocacy is born out of the the trust and the the work, the hard work that's gone into forming meaningful relationships. The parents know very quickly that um, that we really we mean what we say. We follow through. Mm. We will make appointments. We will make sure that they get to those appointments. We will follow up with them and ask them again within the within uh, whatever confidentiality allows us to do but you know it's it's really it is it's it's deeply rooted in, in strong relationships and the two-way relationship um you know it's not uncommon for you know for for the parents to be you know really emotional you know mm -hmm. upset almost and you know yeah. they can't they can't believe that they've finally i guess i'm going to say you know finally got someone that's actually willing to pick up the phone do something on on their behalf because mm. they are not able to do it and it, you know so many times i'm with sam and there's phone calls being made and with Hillary as well, and you know, it's quite often it's a, it's a the way the system set up the cart is before the horse. You know, they're looking for paperwork from these people, or you know, well, no, you can't apply for funding for transport, and um, because you need to have X or Y, mm. and you know, th there doesn't seem to be the system doesn't seem to allow for people that have literally just arrived. It's a lot of red um, tape. Exactly, too much, too much red tape, and the mechanism is too slow. Um, as Sam says, there may be things coming further down the line, but these people need help now mm. i mean hillary you evidently have a very committed inspiring team um but they're also you know pretty stretched in different mm -hmm. directions um 
what additional forms of support would be most helpful for you going forward uh, um, to maximise opportunities for the children? Well, and going forward, really, the, the, it's quite simple for us because we have been funding our own nurture class since 2018. Um, should the Department of Education decide that we deserve nurture because I think they just feel that we can fund it ourselves and have just left us to it, uh, we could actually fill the nurture class two or three times over. But if they were to fund it, as they're doing in so many other schools, mm -hmm. we could then bring in someone full time to work with parents, which is what we really would love to do. Mm -hmm. We could do it ourselves because we have so many newcomer children that mm -hmm. we want to put the supports in where the money is being given. Um, so we really would be very keen to get a family officer who would liaise with Sam, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't want to give up his class, but at the same time, he has a, a real heart for the families. Um, so it would be something like that that we would be very keen to do. Now, we have looked at building a business case. And we are looking at all the facts and figures and trying to put together as many different things as we can to try and fund it in some way. But it, it comes down to funding, but it also comes down to a willingness to help the parents and to work with the parents. And I'm very, very fortunate that I have a staff who really care so mm. much that they're working away above and beyond their remit. Yeah, and it's absolutely vital work, isn't it, that connecting? Um, can you see, Hilary, opportunities within the First Start Action Plan? Um, certainly there are opportunities, and it, it is good that there is a, a community fail out and within that but I think that they would that the powers that be whoever has written it would need to actually come and see what's going on on the ground I they're welcome to come into our school on any Tuesday when the drop-in is running mm. and see the level of need um because Sam can be dealing with maybe 30 40 different cases in a day that doesn't just happen in one day so he may be getting phone calls back during the week when he's meant to be teaching mm. so uh, you know it, it really is there's a, there's just such a high level of need and as the families begin to trust us there's more and more things coming in all the time and then it should be it should be said that alongside that you know we see the the benefit then with all that going on the benefit is in the classroom the children are happier the children are settled um all of a sudden, you do see that um, mm. more solemn-looking child with a smile on their face. Just you know, happens overnight, and but you know, well, it looks like it happens overnight, but it's a lot of a heck of a lot of work to support that family that's actually enabled that child to have the smile on their face and be ready to learn. Yeah, um, we're coming towards the end of our discussion, but do you have any advice that you'd like to pass on to share with other practitioners, principals or teachers in schools in addressing, who are working in addressing underachievement? Sam. Look at the whole family, sorry. Sorry, sorry. sorry I no, that's why I was no, going to say, Hilary. Just look at the whole You're family. You're all agreed about that. It's, it's, it's the, the same thing, yeah. yeah. But if there's a child who's struggling, there's a family behind them who are prob mm -hmm. probably struggling as well. Mm -hmm. And that could have a big impact on, on why that child is not achieving or yeah. why they're not able to engage at school. So it's a holistic, you can, yeah, it's a holistic approach. Unless you can sort those issues out, it, it you, is, know, you it can't is. just sort it out in the classroom. It is, it and it's, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent that. But it's also for other principals, other vice principals, senior leadership, um, all you know, staff to have the confidence to actually do it, mm. um, and to know that yes, it might be not quite what's written on the paper, but it is there. It's well meaning. It's well thought out. The reasons for doing it are well documented 
um, with the likes of the report written by Dr. Purdy. You know, the reports are out there. We're doing these things for the right reason. Mm. And we are seeing the improvement in the classroom because we are educators first and foremost. But we have found that the methods that we're currently using are the ones that are making a difference. Mm. And again, our, we would encourage others to you know, to be bold enough and brave enough to to have a go and to try things. And as I said earlier, if it's not working, re-look at it. It's not the end of the world. Um, you know, you've got to find a way to help help the child in the class. And yeah, as we've said, it's about supporting the family around it. And I would say as well, bring, bring the parents in. You know, you want the parents to see it as their school as well. It's that, not just leave the child at the gate and then off you go. That sense of belonging the, and community. The, yeah, exactly. It's a sense of community and a sense of belonging. Like we, we should be here. And it's really nice in the drop-in, you know, because people will come in and if I'm busy talking to somebody else, they might go make themselves a cup of tea and sit and wait for me and just kind of, oh, sometimes they'll help me fold up clothes and deal with donations that we've had and things like that. So they, they're they very comfortable coming in, you know, mm-hmm. and that's lovely to see. Oh, and, nice. you know, I, I would say to anybody, you know, get get the parents in and get them involved because it's their school as well. It's not just the children. Yeah, I know our students, our, our teacher education students have really learned a lot from other international students and um, from their placement times with you. Um, Hilary, have you anything to say about that sort of the richness of the cultural diversity for the pupils who are working together in your classrooms? Oh, absolutely. They learn so much that they would not otherwise ha- have learned. In fact, being a, a country person myself originally, I have learned so much from the children as well. And I would mm-hmm. say that goes for all of us. It is just wonderful to see all the diversity, to hear all the languages, to chat to people and to get the feedback from the parents. It's, it's lovely to get that feedback. Um, for example, one, recently one of the parents came in to me and said, you know, my wee one will be coming to you because this is our school. Mm-hmm. And that just made me feel it fantastic. <laughs> it was absolutely lovely. Another parent said to me that we looked after the children like they were our own. And, you know, those wee bits of feedback may be few and far between, but it's lovely to get. And I know that Sam hears a lot of positive things from the families, uh, but it really I, it's educated us all. Mm. And we really are very passionate and wouldn't want to move anywhere else at the moment anyway. Uh, I know I've really enjoyed my visits to your classrooms. It's been inspiring for me. Um, Hilary, anything finally you'd like to, in, by way of advice to other um, professionals out there who are working in the area of uh, raising aspiration and achievement? Um, I, as, as we said before, it is, it's just mucking in there and just getting to know the parents and getting to meeting and greeting and getting out there and they, so that they know you. Um, I know that there are some principles and um, don't get me wrong, that that's the way they operate. And that's fine. Whose door is closed? My door is always open. And mm-hmm. if anybody comes in to the, the, the office to speak to the secretary, they know I'm there as well. And quite often people will just pop their head in and say, can I help, help me with this or can I do this or how can you help me with that? So it's just it's always being there for them and knowing that they have somewhere to come. Thank maybe, you. maybe the only principal in the country who has a door that opens, you know, a half <laughs> half door. I'm not, not sure I'm going to explain that correctly now. But um, like Hilary's a stable door, door. As she said, yeah, like a stable <laughs> door. It is, it is, you know, the bottom half yeah. is closed, but yes. the top half is open. So Hilary knows what's going on. Yes. She's approachable. And that goes for children, staff, as well as parents. Mm. Um, and Hilary is there and will support us um, if we have thought of another way that we can, you know, again, if we feel there's some other way we can help or... You know, do something in the interest of the child or the family. So that leadership is is vital, isn't it? One hundred percent, yeah. Um, Hilary, where can people find out about your school? Do you have a website? 
We do have a website, um, which a lot of parents would, that would be their first port of call when they're coming to me. Um, they quite often will email me and we will get recommendations with, within a country. So somebody will email me, say, for, for example, from Africa, whose family have told them how good the school is. So it's a lot, a lot of it's word of mouth. But we also welcome visitors and we have at the moment we have four people here waiting to come in to see what is going on in our school and mm -hmm. how we deal with families. Um, so we're very, very happy to welcome visitors anytime or to talk to anybody who, who wants to know what we do. We're, we are banging our drum as loudly as we can. Oh, that's great. I know I've appreciated that welcome in, in the past many times. And thank you so much to uh, all of you for being with us here today. And I'm sure um, our listeners will um, be very inspired by what they've heard. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. For more information and updates on the work of Crew, you can visit our website, strand.ac.uk forward slash research forward slash Crew. Or you can follow Strand Crew on Twitter.